spiritual fruit where you multiply yourself and you see what is listed in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of those are the fruits of the Spirit that are developed because of the root system that's planted in the house of the Lord. And if you don't see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, any of those, it's not a fruit problem. It's a root problem. Plant yourself deep. Where are you planted? Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Sometimes we can feel like we're sort of drifting through life, like there's no stability, no sense of purpose, or even spiritual direction. Well, last week, Pastor Trent suggested to us that the sense of aimlessness might have to do with where we're growing. Well, it's winter right now, and it'll be a little while before most of us start thinking about planting a garden. Now, I'm not really a gardener. In fact, last year, I planted some blueberry bushes, and I can't even find them. They're back there somewhere. I have to, like, dig through all the bushes. I'm like, ah, there's one. But some of you gardeners right now are already making your gardening plans. Even brown thumb people like me know there's some important things that have to come together in order to grow a healthy and productive garden. You have to have the right soil conditions, the right light, good seeds, water, and of course, being able to find your plants. Well, keep that in mind as you listen to the second part of Pastor Trent's message, Planted in the House of the Lord. Here's Pastor Trent. A few years ago, Joshua Harris wrote a book called Stop Dating the Church. It's a great analogy, isn't it? Thinking about the love relationship that Christ has with the church. How many of you guys remember the first time you laid eyes on your future bride? Remember that? You better smile as you lift that hand, guys. Remember that? Remember that? It's like, hey, hey. You stopped dating other people, right? And maybe that's what you've done here this morning in a relationship to the church. You, you, it kind of looked attractive from the outside, and so you kind of flirted with it a little bit, and, and you kind of expressed your interest. But then you entered into this dating relationship. You stopped going to other churches, okay, because I'm dating this one, right? But there's no commitment. There has to be a point at which you declare your intentions, announce to the world, we are married, okay? We are in this for better, for worse, richer, for poorer, sickness and health, forsaking all others, as long as we both shall live. Get it? It's a commitment. And that's why we emphasize the relationship that Christ has with his church, it's exactly what he's done. He's committed his life to it. He laid down his life for it. He loves his bride. He's never giving up on her as ugly as the bride is at times. He has committed to wash her and to clean her and make her more radiantly beautiful than she was when he met her her. That's what Christ is doing. And so in response, we as the bride respond to him with a reciprocal commitment. I'm committed to you the way you're committed to me. Now, if you are married and you've exchanged those vows, you've declared your intentions, you put a ring on it, you know there's one more phase here. It's making babies. All right. Now, at that point, you start multiplying yourself because healthy things multiply, right? Now, I want to be sensitive to those of you that struggle with infertility and you're married, you'd love to have babies, and for whatever reason, it's not happening. One in six couples are kind of in that. But when the bodies are healthy, it is the natural overflow of the marriage to multiply. 
And all of a sudden, these new creatures show up that are dependent upon you. These disciples make baby disciples, and they turn into adolescent disciples, and you have to hold their hand, you have to instruct them, sometimes you have to discipline them, and it is messy at times. And that is what is keeping some of you from committing to the church is because you know how messy it is. You showed up here this morning kind of bruised and beaten from whatever other church you came out of. Now listen, you need to go deeper. You may need to go deeper here, you may need to go deeper there, but stop church hopping and plant yourself. Root yourself in the house of the Lord. Your relationship with Christ will go no deeper than your relationship with the local church. I'm calling you deeper. You say, I don't don't know. I know what the excuses are out there. I've heard them all. Here's five excuses people give for not being a member of the church. Number one, the roof will fall in on me. Have you ever heard that? Really? It's not, what you're actually saying is, I don't believe God loves me. I'm so bad that somehow to be connected with his church, he would hurt me. That's just a wrong view of church, and it's a wrong view of God. Other people would say, the church is full of hypocrites. That's why I don't join it. Just think about that statement. What you're implying is you're not one. If you do find a church that doesn't have hypocrites in it, please don't join that one. You will ruin it. Because you are just as much the hypocrite as anybody in the church. The only difference is the people planted in the church and the people outside the church is the people in the church realize we're hypocrites. We're trying to get better by the grace of God to clean us up. We admit our hypocrisy and we need God to go to work in our lives. So why don't you come and be a part of the process of the Recovering Hypocrites Association? called the local church, all right? So other people would say, um, no, the reason, why, the reason they want me to join is because they want my money. That's why they want me to join. So what are you saying? What you're saying is, I want my money. I'm not going to give anything that I make to anything other than that which serves my purposes. Really? That's what your life's about? Listen, what we're doing here when we pass that offering bag or you give online or you text to give, what we're doing in is we are prying our greedy little fingers off of that which God has graciously given to us to prove that my heart needs to let go of stuff because that which I give has a tendency to grab hold of me. And so I give it not because the church needs it. I give it because I need to let go of stuff that can wrap itself around me and strangle me. And if you don't understand that, then you need to go deeper. When people throw in, what we're saying is we're so grateful for what God has given us. We give back a portion to him to fund his work in the local church so we can reach people like you who don't ever give anything. That's how great this church is. It's spending its money to try to get this message to you, to invite you to go deeper into relationship with him and his church. Other people say, I don't believe in organized religion. I, I, I hear that. Anybody ever heard that? I have a standard line when people say that to me. 
So you believe in disorganized religion? That's what you believe in? Is that what you want to be a part of? Listen, a body is organized. Have you noticed? It has some symmetry to it. It has some vital function. Every member is different. A body is organized. Who'd want to be a part of a disorganized body? That would be weird. And so a healthy organism is one that is organized for functionality. That's what a body does. It's organized. And other people would just say, I'm just too busy. I don't have anything left to give. What you really mean is, I love other things more than what God loves best. Soccer, um, school, recreation, day at the lake. I mean, there's a thousand things. and They're all good, and they're all things that should be appropriately enjoyed. But those who have planted themselves in the church understand, not only do I need this place, I enjoy this place. It's the thrill of my heart to connect with others that are giving their lives for the mission that God is on. So what would happen if you were to become planted in the house of the Lord? I want to give you four things and we'll be done. Here it is. First of all, my rhythms would revolve around God's presence. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, their rhythms revolve around God's presence. We're going to see that here from Psalm 92. Look at verse 1. I want to share a secret with you about reading the Psalms. Do you see verse 1 in Psalm 92? How many of you notice there's a line above verse 1? And so don't start with verse 1. Start with the prologue, which says this in Psalm 92. A psalm, that's helpful, a song for the Sabbath. What we have in Psalm 92 are the lyrics of a song that was to be sung every seven days like clockwork. There was a time when God's people were to assemble as the gathered collection of redeemed people on the earth. And that's what we do here every weekend, every seven days. It happens again. We have the opportunity to get our rhythm back, to return to and launch from the house of the Lord. It goes on in verse 1 and says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. There's the second rhythm we see. Not only every seven days, but every 12 hours. I am to get in the presence of God in the morning when I wake up to address the Lord. God, my day belongs to you. My mind belongs to you. I'm going to get your word open. I'm going to ask you to fill me with your spirit. Would you give me marching orders for the day? And then maybe 12 hours later, however, whenever you go to bed, like, Lord, last thought on my mind, I want to thank you for all the good things you did today. Praise you for the work. Forgive me of the sin, the way that I messed it up today. And God, I'm going to go to bed tonight excited to see you in the morning. Every morning, every night, I'm to be reminded of how good it is to be in the presence of the Lord. And then verse 3, to the music of the lute, the harp, to the melody of the lyre. Now, I don't think we had a lute, a harp, or a lyre up here in the platform, but I think they were upgrades over whatever those instruments were. So, and aren't you appreciative of people that can actually keep a rhythm while they're playing music? Right? So, and just be like, yeah, because I can't. Well, that's why we have people that know how to do that. So, to help the rest of us, okay, to clap on the right beat and stuff. There's a rhythm to music, and there is a 
There, there is an emotional response that goes along with playing an instrument and writing a lyric and singing a song. So people who have planted themselves in the house of the Lord, they bring a song. We don't sing because we put lyrics up on the screen and have some people that have rehearsed some music and sit back and watch them. You don't come to church like you go to a concert. You bring your song, and you're so grateful, and your heart has such joy, and you're so glad to be in the house of the Lord that your heart's going to explode if you don't open your mouth. You bring your song, and when you're planted in the house of the Lord, nobody has to tell you to come early. Nobody has to tell you to sit up front. Nobody has you to sing louder. It is your joy. It's the expression of your heart. It's the rhythm. i got to get back. i got to sing the song. i got to lift the praise. Here's the second thing. If you plant yourself in the house of the Lord, my heart rejoices in God's work. Look at verse 4. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. When we gather together, we remind ourselves of the work that God is doing in us and through us. And what the work that God has done for us. We tell the stories of the activity of God in our lives during this week. And our heart rejoices in the things that God is doing. Not only do you rejoice in the work, you participate in the work. Not only what God is, the work that God has done for you, but the work that God wants to do through you. You've already heard here this morning, there is some work to be done, and there are some workers that are needed for you to plant yourself deeper this year in the house of the Lord may mean that you need to find a place to work in the house of the Lord. And maybe it for you means just walking down that hallway and meeting Michelle and say, I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but I'm available and we'll show you. Maybe kids are not your thing. Maybe it's teenagers. And uh, Pastor Tyler would love to welcome you as one of the youth workers here in our church. Maybe for others of you, you're allergic to teenagers and you're allergic to teenagers. And maybe you, you would just like to be out on the parking lot. And, and it, it, there's plenty of work to be done. For some of you that are sitting, soaking, getting fat in a small group, it's time to exercise and lead a small group. And so there's deeper levels of planting yourself. We have a way of kind of measuring it around here. It's called a funnel. Every week when we gather, what you're experiencing right now, you are at the top of the funnel. It's what we call a high-impact, window-rattling, earth-shattering, life-altering worship service. That's what we're going for every Sunday. That's the top of the funnel. If you've never gone deeper than that, you've not yet embraced what it means not only to worship Christ, but to walk with Christ in fellowship with other believers, and even at the deepest level, to work. It's worship, walk, work. Everybody needs to shoulder kingdom responsibility weekly as they plant themselves in the house of the Lord. And so if you've not yet made yourself available for work, then come and talk to us. Talk to somebody you see working around here. We will plug you in. Not only rejoice in God's work, but use your work to invest in God's work. 
Most of you have an income. Praise God for an income. Most of you wish it was a higher income. And most of you are sitting out there thinking, if I made more, I'd give more. Do you understand that that is a false statement? The people that make the most give the least percentage-wise. And so don't wait till you make more to give at a deeper level. Use whatever God has given to give first and best to the work of the Lord. What you do 40 hours a week is to fund not just your household, but the house of the Lord and the work that goes on here. And as people have done that faithfully, you've seen the fruit of what we can do in adding pastors and developing ministries and reaching out and providing space. All of those things are the way that we participate and rejoice in the work of the Lord. The third thing, when I'm planted in the house of the Lord, I will do is my thoughts dive deep into God's thoughts. Look at verse 5. How great are your works, O Lord, your thoughts are very deep. The deep things of God is what we wrap our minds around when we come into the house of the Lord. It's a great verse in Psalm 42, verse 7. It says this, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All the breakers and your waves have gone over me. I love the image behind me right now. It gives that idea that there is an ocean of depth out there for those that will hear God calling them deeper. Deep calls to deep. You know what that means? The deep thoughts of God are calling to the deepest parts of you. Can you hear God calling you deeper? He wants you to go deeper. Don't just think about shallow things and shallow realities. So what do we do when we come to church? Let me suggest that you bring some things when you come to the house of the Lord. Number one, bring your body. That will help you get here, okay? Bring your body. Everything that God's going to give you is going to come through your ear, your eye, the work that you're going to do. You're going to do it with your hands, and so you got to bring your body. Make your body available. Bring your body, but secondly, bring your song. Don't wait for the songs up here. Bring a song in your heart so that you can erupt when we finally sing together as the gathered body in the house of the Lord. Bring your body. Bring your song. Number three, bring your Bible. Why? Because that's where we find the deep thoughts of God. Bring your Bible. Bring your brain and contemplate the deep thoughts of God. And then finally, bring your brokenness. Look at verse 10. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. How many of you brought your horn this morning? You have a horn coming out of your head right now. Like, what in the world is that talking about? What's a horn? What, I have a horn? What? You, you may not even understand that. Let me ask you this. How many of you, how many deer hunters do I have out there? Any deer hunters? How many of you have shot a trophy buck? Anybody? How many wonder, is your lifelong dream to even see a trophy buck? What is a trophy buck? It's horns. I mean, these incredible horns. And, and what it displays is maturity, strength, and majesty. And God says, that's what he wants to do in you. He wants to bring maturity, strength, and majesty from you. Then notice this. 
you have poured over me fresh oil. Oil had a lot of different purposes in the Old Testament. I mean, you have to think about it. You could use oil to polish those horns on, on an animal, maybe for display. Um, you would use oil for um, medicinal purposes in a time when there weren't antibiotics, but it could have an e- a healing effect as an ointment. Um, oil would have a, an anointing purpose. It was used in worship to signify that, that God had set this person apart. But maybe the most practical use for oil was it was fuel. Before a time of electricity, the only light you had was a lamp that was fueled by oil. And so he's using that analogy of what happens in the house of the Lord. I am fueled. I am refreshed. You see, when you plant yourself deep in the house of the Lord, my life displays and is energized by God's life. There is a freshness. What happens in the house of the Lord is we come and we bring our brokenness and we bring all the baggage and the damage being kicked around all week long and we come into the house of the Lord to be refreshed and refueled. God wants to give you fresh oil. Ever drive by a road sign that look like that? Every time you see it, you should pray. Like, Lord, I need it. I need fresh oil oil right here, right now in my life. I need refreshing. How many of you are exhausted? You're exhausted. I mean, because of what you did all week long. Hopefully this experience in the house of the Lord is fresh oil. Not only does it bring freshness, it brings flourishing. Look at verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar. They're planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of God. Flourishing talks about this life that flows out of you because of the life that is in you. It reminds me of Psalm 1 that talks about how a man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and it, we, it yields fruit in its season and its leaf doesn't wither and everything he does, it prospers. Your life just flourishes. No matter what the trials and the heartaches and the money shortages is, at the deepest part of you, there's a calm, there's a joy, and there is life flourishing. Not only flourishing, but fruitfulness. We saw that. Look at verse 14. They still bear fruit in old age. Why do they bear fruit? Because their roots have been planted in the house of the Lord, and it nourishes and feeds them. Spiritual fruit, where you multiply yourself and you see what is listed in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of those are the fruits of the Spirit that are developed because of the root system that's planted in the house of the Lord. And if you don't see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, any of those... It's not a fruit problem. It's a root problem. Plant yourself deep. And notice the last one is faithfulness. Even in old age, they are ever full of sap and green. You know, there's something about sap. If you ever cut open like a green plant and it's, it's vibrant and it's alive, that sap just kind of oozes out, doesn't it? And it's sticky. 
That's the picture of an old man, an old woman. Maybe not as mentally sharp as they used to be. Maybe not as physically strong as they used to be. But as spiritually fruitful as ever. And that guy is sticky like sap. And we just tell people around here, go talk to that guy. And maybe some of what's on him will stick to you. And you will learn how to produce the fruit like that guy and that girl has been producing fruit all their lives. Can I ask you, are you planted in the house of the Lord? Or are you just skimming the surface? you just window shopping? Why don't you go deeper so you can experience the kinds of things that we just talked about? How deep are you planted in the house of the Lord? What's your excuse? You say, man, I got nothing left to give. Maybe you're serving your guts out and the Lord would just affirm to you, you know what? There's spiritual fruit. There's faithfulness. Rejoice in that. Rejoice in the work of the Lord. But could it be that your commitment to school, to sports, to career, to family, you've got a deeper commitment to those things? than the things of the Lord? Why don't you open your heart to him and just tell him, Lord, I want to go deeper with you. I want to love what you love. I know you love your bride. Why don't you confess to him that maybe you've been afraid, maybe you've had a bad experience. Maybe there's a failure to trust him. Maybe it's an unwillingness to get dirty. Those that plant roots deep will get dirty. They'll also produce the greatest fruit for the Lord. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that God's children are actually His masterpieces created in Christ for good works, works that he has prepared in advance for us. Now that's pretty incredible. But as Trent Griffith has been explaining, living with that kind of spiritual intentionality takes a deepening relationship with him. It also takes being planted or rooted in the house of the Lord. So how about you? Are you planted in a local community of believers who love the Lord and encourage you to grow? I hope so. It's the kind of environment that will spur you on to produce lots of God-glorifying fruit and give you huge amounts of joy in the process. On the other hand, maybe you're missing out on that kind of depth when it comes to church. Maybe you don't have a church home where you attend regularly and receive nourishment from God's Word and from relationships with His people. Well, if that's you, would you consider visiting Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana or St. Joseph, Michigan? It could be that God might want to plant you here at Harvest. Here's all you need to do. First, just head over to our website, harvestgranger.org, and figure out which location and service fits your schedule best. Again, that's harvestgranger.org. Then, just show up. Worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, with us. Sing with us, pray with us, and listen to the preaching of God's Word with us. Who knows? 
it might be the beginning of a new root system for you. I hope you can make it. Well, next week on the program, Pastor Trent continues challenging us to go deeper. He says that real Christians are planted real deep. We'll find out more what that means. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's Word would resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.